I'm very glad to be able to share with you this morning. And I'm also very glad. Um, you know, I want to invite you, if you have access to the internet in your home, I would like to invite you to, to look up the opening worship service of the General Assembly that took place yesterday afternoon. I watched it, um, and, in, and you know, I, I was impacted because obviously there's a choir of hundreds of people. There's 588 delegates from 171 presbyteries of our denomination. And um, when I saw the worship service, I got scared because I thought I was a lot of hope. So what's going on? Uh, they were talking about widening the making the circle wider. And they sang the song, make the circle, make the circle wider. It was amazing. They were talking about, uh, uh, of course, anti-racism, which is, you know, the, the call for the church in these days. And it's going to go that way from now on. You get ready for it. Get on the bandwagon, study what it is, and, and let's be real disciples of Jesus Christ in the whole issue. It was scary. But it was challenging, and it was fun, and it was exciting to see where God may be taking our church. And the freaky thing about all of it is that we've been doing a lot of that stuff already here. So I praise God that we're in that avant-garde movement of the Holy Spirit as God is making one church in this country. No longer maybe what Martin Luther King said 50 years ago will have to be a reality that Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, is the most segregated hour in our nation. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. Because we have a new word, a new Christ, a new vision for our church, and we're excited about that. Join me, if you will, in the Scripture this morning. We will be dealing with Titus. Titus is a little book, has three chapters only. It is considered one of the uh, pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy, that the, that the group in the upstairs uh, classroom have been studying, and then Titus. We don't know really how Paul met Titus, uh, but obviously we do know that they were very good friends and that uh, Paul felt that he was a spiritual father to Titus. We have that language in there. And uh, Titus right now is in, in Crete, and Paul is in another city close to Ephesus, and he writes this little letter to remind Titus what is the entire gospel about to remind Titus that there is a newness of life, that there is a newness of thinking, that there is newness of responding as we get closer to Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, who saved us from what we were. So join me, if you please, in, in this scripture as we read from verses, chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. And you know, I like every time I, I read Scripture, I like that, that word, but. You see, it doesn't have to stay that way, because God intervened our reality, but. When God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. 
He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence. Confidence. Confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The Word of the Lord. We're just about to finish our series in Pentecost, our entire series of Pentecost, which was called or is called uh, the Covenant of the Spirit. And today I want to talk about the spirit of newness, because if God sent the Spirit of God, God's self, it is not for things to continue in the same way. In the first week we, we encountered this topic, we discussed and, and we discovered that God's energy is and has been dedicated to bring wellness to God's own creation by forming a new people, which is called the church, and by embodying, inhabiting, dwelling in that church, those individuals, both by grace and mysteriously by the person of the Holy Spirit. In the following time that we got together, we found that the spirit of truth led us to all truth. And one of the relevant truths which we discovered and we learned was that Jesus was not American. Jesus is not a nationalist, and he abhors racism and division, especially among God's own people. Last week, we found out that unity is very, very difficult. It is so difficult that it needs to be done intentionally because it doesn't happen naturally. Unity is so difficult that God had to send God's own spirit in our lives so that the Spirit would move us to teach it, to proclaim it, and declare this unity in the community of the saints, the church. And that unity is a sign of God's love and God's grace. Today I would like to share the idea that the Spirit's newness of life, newness of thinking, and newness to respond, that's the introduction, is a gift of God. When we surrender our antagonism, and when we allow God's Spirit to become the protagonist in our lives. This sermon I'm going to be preaching, I'm going to use a structure that is very common to stories in the Bible. Actually, to almost stories all around. And there's always an introduction of the characters and the situation. Then there is a conflict in the story. Then there is usually a resolution to the conflict in the story. And then there is always a celebration after this conflict has been resolved. Just by using those three little categories, you can read many of the stories of the Bible and be very, very enriched by finding the conflict in the story, finding the resolution of the story, and discovering the great celebration that the God and, and the story, it is there. So let's go with this one today. The conflict that we're going to find. Oh, that's too small. The spirit of newness of life, newness of thinking, and newness to respond is a gift of God when we surrender our antagonism and allow God's spirit to be the protagonist. So what is the conflict that we're finding in the whole scripture? The conflict that we're finding is ourselves. We were the ones who are actually in that situation. You see, we were the ones who were separated from God. We were the ones who were, had the thoughts of evil. We were the ones who had the lust and pleasure. And it's interesting enough that when we think of lust and pleasures, we go to the word sex. No. 
not necessarily. My chocolate can be as much lust and pleasure, remember? Confession time, okay. You see? My, even, even my own time alone could become a lust and a pleasure. So, so don't take it over there. Check your own life. What are your pleasures? What are your lusts? Maybe it's Keno. Well, if you may win, you know, bring the tithe. Maybe it's just a good old time at a, at a hangout. That's okay. But know the difference between those things that depart you from God and those things that enrich your life. That's a big difference. So basically, every, you know, uh, um, in, in, in the classic stories, we find this situation of the conflict, the antagonist and the protagonist. In, in the story of, 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 of Snow White, who was the, 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 the protagonist? Snow White. Who was the antagonist? The wicked witch, right? In the story of, of uh, let's see, the three little pigs, who was the protagonist? Who was the persecutor, the one who was trying to destroy them? <sighs> the big bad wolf. In one of my favorite novels by Charles Dickens, Tell of Two Cities, who was the protagonist? Charles Darnay. And who was the antagonist? Madame Defarge, who wanted to see the whole family destroyed for something that happened to her. You see, so the conflict is there. Every life experience can be an antagonism to our life. Lust, foolishness, pleasures, evil, envy, hate for one another, and idolatry. You know, we don't talk much about idolatry in this country because, especially around Georgia, because I don't go to many homes, and I don't find Virgin Marys outside in the lawn, like in Miami. <laughs> I would find that, even in stores and shops. So, so uh, that's not idolatry. That used to be idolatry when people used to worship that stuff, and some people do. But how about idolatry of yourself? How about the idolatry of your own sickness? Ooh. Where it becomes the center of your life. Well, you know, when you look at the clock and times under the week, you spend more time in the doctor than <laughs> having fun, you know. So that, the tendency is there. But don't allow those situations to become idols in your life. Even country can become an idol and take us away from a more pure and more concise and truer gospel. So in this text, we find the antagonists, and the antagonist is our worst enemy. We are the weak and foolish. We are the evildoers. We are the ones in need of something to change, something to give in, something new. You see, when my ego and my opinion and when my fear speaks out, push others away. We antagonize our spirituality, and the Bible calls it quenching the spirit. When we see through the eyes of Caesar, our worldly kingdom, we become enemies of God's realm and antagonize the kingdom, supporting oppression and persecution in our own land and allowing it to spread. And we politely remain silent. But you know, there is a solution. Because God's new covenant of newness of life, newness of thinking, newness to respond is a gift when we surrender our antagonistic ways, when we surrender our own ways that are against us and allow God's Spirit to be the protagonist in our lives, 
in our thinking, in our actions, and our actions for justice. In yesterday's initial worship service, there was an offering collected. And like we do in Presbytery service, we always dedicate this offering for a cause. Scripture reminds us that when Jesus left the desert and He came down to Nazareth and He went into a synagogue, He, he, he spoke of His purpose. I have come to liberate the captives, He said in Luke chapter 4. Guess what? The offering of last night's General Assembly meeting, which was over $100,000 because they opened it via internet. Capish? <laughs> so I was able to donate at that time in my house. I was able to get my card, click it in, and send a donation. We collected over $100,000 in one night to do exactly that. To march on Tuesday morning. I wish I was there. March on Tuesday morning from the convention center to the clerk's house. I don't know where they're going. And they're going to pay thousands of dollars in what's it called when you get and they put a, 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 a bail. They're going to bail out hundreds of captives who have been there for weeks because they don't have a license. Or it was outdated. And now instead of in and out, they're weeks in jail in that county in St. Louis. Very unfair. So that unfair practice of those bails which, which oppress the poor and the working class, we're going to do something about it. We're going to go and pay thousands of dollars to liberate the captives so that they can continue to work and provide for their families. Is there an amen? I didn't hear it. So what is the solution then? If we have a conflict and it's our own antagonism, how can we then find a solution? But God revealed God's kindness and love, but God showed God's magnificent mercy, and God poured out God's own spirit. By grace, then God made us right in His sight, and God gave us confidence, assurance that we belong to God eternally. Paul teaches this to Titus, but it is very interesting that in this very short letter, we find the same idea in every single chapter of the letter. Beginning with chapter 1, verse 1, we find the same idea of the incarnation of Christ, God becoming human, God pouring out His love and grace, and us having a new way to see, to think, and to respond in this world. Listen to the word in chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle to Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to, God's, to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them the confidence that they have eternal life, which God does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now at just the right time, He has revealed this message, which we announced to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior that I have been sent and entrusted this message of grace, this message of newness to you all. And then He says, I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith. Chapter 2, he says, For the grace of God has been revealed again, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, with devotion to God only. 
while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glorious God show His salvation. Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave us life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. The message of grace, the message of hope, the message of peace. The message of newness of spirit, newness of life, and a new way. But you see, God's new covenant of newness of life, newness of thinking, and newness of respond is a gift from God when we surrender our antagonistic ways against ourselves and allow God's Spirit to move us in that direction. Allow God's Spirit to be the protagonist, the inspirator in our lives, our thinking, and our actions. So we celebrate. We have the conflict which we find in ourselves as antagonists. We find the solution which is Jesus being and the Holy Spirit being the protagonist in our lives. So how do we celebrate? Well, we celebrate by realizing that God has cleansed, renewed, and called us to do something new. Can we celebrate that? How, do we, how, can, we, I mean, how can we celebrate? By saying, yeah. Can, can we embody that just this morning? And I will signal you and you'll say, yeah. Let's practice. One, two, three. God has cleansed us, saved us, renewed, and caused us to a new way of life. God has called us to newness of spiritual freedom, freedom from guilt and shame. God has called us to a new way of being, reminding us this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone, a new life has begun. God is calling us to a new way of thinking as we renew our way of thinking so that our way of living will change, as Paul reminds us in 12.2. Oh, you missed it. God is calling us to a new way of looking at the world through the lenses, not of our political parties, not through the lenses of patriotism or nationalism, but through the lenses of compassion, through lenses of spiritual love, through lenses of newness of life and mercy, and ultimately love. So let us commit to a purpose and promise before God. Let us be bold and walk by faith and walk with Christ and for Christ. Let us move into a newness of love, of openness, a fresh way of seeing life through the lenses of love, lenses of compassion, lenses of justice, as we are moved by the spirit of newness, the spirit of the new covenant. God's new covenant of newness of life, newness of thinking, and newness to respond is a gift when we surrender our own antagonism. And when we allow God's Spirit to become the protagonist in our lives, our thinking, and the way we respond. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What do we do now? Oh, we have a prayer. <laughs> and I'm going to be leading. I, 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 I did this a few weeks ago, a litany prayer. And a lot of you really liked it. I was surprised. So we'll do it again. I'm going to encourage you to follow. Well, it's free. I made the changes on me because I'll be doing the one. But the screens and the papers are the same, okay? I begin. Let us pray. United in Christ who gives us the victory, let us pray to God for the church, the body of Christ, that we might truly live the new life, unity we receive through the Holy Spirit, God, our strength.
for the leaders of our churches, that they may, that they may be faithful to the newness to which all Christians are called, God our strength. For the nations of the world, that they may live in peace with one another and promote justice for all, God our strength. For all people that we may be good stewards of the earth, God our strength. For the people of society that we may be transformed to live as caring neighbors to each other, God our strength. For the sick and suffering that we may transform by your healing presence. Let's think of those members of our congregation who may be at home, at centers, or just plainly in the hospital. Let's think and lift them up. God, our strength changes by your grace. For all families and households that their struggles and joys may find their fulfillment in your love. God, our strength. And we continue praying that beautiful prayer that the Lord taught us to say together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.